Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, the Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. New book. Yes. Fresh new book. <laughs> Unbroken spine, new book smell, untattered pages. And raspy voices for all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the we're sickness still, continues around here. We're still trying to kick this cold, which has been making its way around the house. I know my voice is a little rough right now because of all the coughing. Anita's kind of okay. Uh, more or less. I've, I've blown my nose a lot today, so I'm a little... A little snorky. Yeah. So if our voices sound a little off or a little scratchy, apologies ahead of time. Um, I will <laughs> we try have to. We small children, and yeah. it's the beginning of the school year. So We've basically, got a cold. yeah, they brought home everything all at once. So it's uh, it's just something we're dealing with. But um, we will power through because we got a new book to start, and we're ready to get into it. Yeah. So uh, as is often the case, as we move into a new book, uh, took a look at the author Carrie Vaughn. She is actually pretty prolific. I like doing a little get to know the author thing. It's nice. I have not personally uh, read a lot of her her prior work, but she has a uh, a long running series called the uh, basically the Kitty Norville novels. They're uh, it's an urban fantasy series. She's also written a lot of short stories over her time. Um, she's one of the authors for the Wild Cards books. So yeah, she's quite prolific and has has been writing a lot. That's um, great. And this is the the first one that we've happened to pick up, so I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, this will be cool. Pretty sure it's her most recent one. It, it only just came out in uh, 2021, so uh, it might not be her most recent novel. Definitely one of her most recent novels. Okay. Well, yeah, and, if it only came out a year ago. Yeah. So re- should be readily available. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to kind of get into it. Yeah. So I guess without any further ado, we'll move into chapter one of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So we begin in the first person. Yes. Uh, we are in the brain of one Dr. Addie Cox, uh-huh. a literature professor. <laughs> literature. Yeah, she's running a course on comparative literature, like a pop culture comparative yeah. literature course. We start in the first chapter with her having office hours. As you do. Yeah, and dealing with her undergraduate students. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. And feeling a little deflated because the kind of stuff that she's been dealing with, with the few students that have actually come to meet with her in person has been, in her opinion, people who took the class because it sounded fun and not expecting that they would have to actually do work. Work? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that's the problem when you put the words pop culture in your class title. <laughs> yeah, but right? the the students seem to have assumed that that means that they can just consume pop culture and not compare it to literature. 
because it is a comparative, comparative course. Yeah, a yeah. comparative literature course between literature and current pop culture. And that seems to have gone over some heads. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, the first student that she's talking to is interested in doing some sort of like comparative Pokemon Moby Dick thing. Hasn't actually read Moby Dick. No. No. Mostly just wants to play Pokemon Go. Right. Wants an excuse <laughs> to play Pokemon. Yeah. I appreciated a bunch of stuff right off the top about our character intro. Okay. This was an excellent setting of setting, if mm -hmm. you know what I mean, right? I think that she actually is the cool prof that she's trying to be, which I think is nice because setting her up as a, as a tryhard mm -hmm. is not great, right? So we've actually had her set up as a competent professor. Yes. So I appreciate how she's uh, really straightforward. Like she calls her student out. Yeah. Like he tells her his idea. She ponders it for a minute and then basically calls him out on it. Like, yeah. look, tell the truth. Were you just trying to find an excuse to play Pokemon Go and call it working on your midterm? And the fact that he like visibly deflates in front of her. I was like, oh, yes, okay. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She sees right through this student BS. Yeah. Right? And I really appreciate that. Because she's walking that line between a cool professor who's like, yes, you can absolutely use Pokemon juxtaposed against Moby Dick. And she's also walking that line of, like, you know, your hard, firm professor because then she follows up with, well, you actually have to read Moby Dick. Yes. <laughs> right? You Like, you have the kernel of a good idea. Turn it into something. Yeah. And then the student is like, well, what about the capitalism angle? And her response is, well, that your job is to convince me of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the point of <laughs> the, the essay. the point of the paper is yeah. for you to do the thing. So the point is, I think, for me, is that I like our main character so far. <laughs> yeah. We're introduced to some of her uh, hangups as well in this chapter. Oh, yes. She's got anxiety. This this first chapter is 100% like character building. Setting set, but character build. Yeah. She has uh, anxiety about having her door closed. She wants uh, a clear kind of view of what's going on outside of her office. She wants to be able to hear people coming so they don't startle her. And she is off put by loud noises. Yeah. And therein lies another question. What's her hang up? Right. Hey. What trauma has given her this uh, this aversion to startling loud noises? Right. Okay. So clearly she has PTSD. Yes, but the question is, where did she get? The yes, PTSD? exactly. Um, based on the blurb on the back of the book and her reaction to someone slamming a door down the hallway, I'm going to assume ex-military of some kind. Possibly. Uh, it would explain... Why else would she be leading a mercenary team? Well, and that, that was also my thought, is that if she has some ex-military background with the post-traumatic stress disorder that comes with it, it would explain her anxiety, and it would also explain why she might be tapped to lead a mercenary group. Right? Exactly. We could be off base. We it could, could be, be wrong. That's, that's early speculation, but it, it tracks with the evidence. Right? That's, that's yeah. what it says to me. Anyway, I don't know what kind of military yet. Obviously competent enough to lead some kind of merc team. Well... That coupled with her literature skill, one would assume, is why she's being tapped. Yeah. Because of the nature of the Jurassic Park she's being sent to. Yes, exactly. Because we, we know, we haven't had it introduced in the story, but we know from the blurb, she's being tapped to go to Fantasy Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, which, which actually is what we kind of lead into here, because 
almost immediately, she gets a voice call from a very impersonal personal assistant. <laughs> yes. For a Mr. Harris Lang. Right. Who uh, is an eccentric tech billionaire. He is a Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yes. And is a, a pretty much off-put right from jump on this. Number one, she wasn't expecting. Uh, number two, it's very heavy-handed. It's like, oh, we need your help. There's a car waiting for you outside. Can you tell me what it's about? No, we'll explain in person. There's a car waiting outside. Yeah, we'll explain in the car. Don't get in the car. What if I don't want to get in the car? Well, here's an incentive. How about just $20,000 right now just to take the meeting? Yeah, just to your department. And, I mean, th- therein is an offer that one cannot easily refuse. Yes, but probably one should because well, that's uh, as generous as it is. That is skeezy. Yes. And I mean, Dr. Cox calls them on it. Like, is this a bribe? And the person's like, I'm not saying it's not a bribe. (laughs) But there is a car waiting outside and the money has cleared. Legally, I am incapable of saying (laughs) that it is is a bribe. But I am also not saying it is not. Um, I'm going to remind you that there is a car car waiting outside. outside. Uh, But Dr. Cox's rubric here works, though. Like... English departments don't often get huge, generous donations. That usually goes to science departments, medical departments. Yeah. Not generally the the English. The lawyer section. (laughs) Yeah, not generally the English department. So it's hard to pass it up, and it is just to take a meeting. Yeah. So what's the harm in that? Get in this car. I mean, I doubt she's going to have a bag thrown over her head and be immediately taken to an island. My Mm. guess is that she's actually (laughs) being taken to a meeting. One does not just... Is this meeting on an island? I'm just saying you don't just kidnap someone. You do if you're a tech billionaire. Yeah, you could probably get away with it, but... <laughs> Did you not get, uh, like, strong Mirage from The Incredibles vibes from this phone call? Oh, sure. I Absolutely. did. Like, it's almost cliche, right? The mysterious phone call with a person who won't give their name and who's, like, delivering firm instructions to you. Yeah. That's... That's exactly what I pictured. I'm like, oh, this is Mirage from The Incredibles. Not all tropes are bad. No, but super well-dressed, no names, throwing money around, pulling power moves. Like, this is this is what's happening. But this is also, there's a reason why those characters do that. And that's to establish the power dynamic. It's like, my employer is very powerful. So powerful that you don't need to know who I am. You only need to know who my employer is, number one. Number two, so powerful that he can call the shots on when and where this meeting is taking place. Number three, can just throw around $20,000 to make it happen. It's very specifically designed to impress Dr. Cox. Yeah. And impress upon her that this is a person you don't leave waiting at the at the place you're about to have lunch. You, you missed the, uh, called her on the private number for her students that... Someone else probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Right? Like, he owns the network, so he's just going to, like, hone in on your on your messaging. Absolutely. Yeah. It's right? it's all power moves. Oh, it's all power moves. It's all, all rich guy power moves. So, yeah. And that's basically where the chapter ends off. But it's, it's a very strong introduction. Yeah. We get a good intro, and then we dive immediately into our inciting incident, which I think is fun. Yeah. Um, and I think it sets the tone for the book first. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Can we talk a minute about tone and setting some more? Sure. Because I am excited about it. This book is throwing around pop culture references like nobody's business. It's great. I have a running list already. Oh, Anita's, behold Anita's list. Right off the top, Pokemon Go. He mentions that he didn't read Moby Dick, but he did watch Wrath of Khan, which is not the same. But There's Captain Ahab stuff in, <sighs> in Wrath of Khan. I can see why. Yeah, there is, but... 
still, it's not the same. Really, you should have been reading Moby Dick and comparing it to Wrath of Khan, yes. not using Wrath of Khan as a stand-in for Moby Dick. Agreed. Yes. Anyway, in her office, she says she has movie posters up for Legend and Hard Boiled, references. The chapter title is called The End of All Things, which I think is a D&D reference. But Scott says it could be a bunch of different things. Uh, it's My guess is that it might be a Lord of the Rings reference because Frodo tells Sam that he's happy that Sam is there at the end of all things. Okay. At the very end of, uh, spoiler alert, at the end of Return of the King. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play a nerd card here. I was just watching uh, an actual play of a D&D game and one of the NPCs was this powerful character called the end of all things. Sure. So that's why I'm thinking it was a D&D reference. It could be a lot of things actually. Anyway, the point is, it's definitely a pop culture reference, possibly multiple. Without spoiling myself on the actual chapter, but because of physically the way the book works, I saw that the next chapter is titled Saving Throw, which is such a strong RPG reference, I can't even. I'm willing to bet future chapters are all pop culture reference titles. Mm. So, uh, yeah, this book is speaking my language, and I am here for it. Well, we will be here for more of it then as uh, we read up on chapter two. Yeah, a bit of a shorter episode this week, but uh, a short but punchy introductory chapter. Yeah. So not much more really to discuss because we don't have more book to have it in context with yet. No, not yet. Yeah. Uh, I did appreciate about her that she still has hope that one day she will like make a difference for these students. And then the students all come in and, you know, temporarily crush it. But the next one, the next one for sure. I love that. I love that about her. Like, yeah, keep going. She is optimistic. And I am super curious about this this PTSD of hers. Yeah. There is some background there that we may or may not ever see. I'm sure we'll eventually get some context for it. And probably we'll meet Harris Lang in the next chapter and probably get a little information on him. So uh, yeah, because both of our voices are very scratchy and there are multiple pauses for coughing and throat clearing that will have been cut from this episode. <laughs> and because uh, it is a short, punchy chapter, let's kind of wrap it up here. A bit of a shorter chapter to start, maybe a little bit longer next week. Um, you'll want to read up on chapter two in time for next week. And in the meantime, you know, there are a lot of great podcasts. There are a lot of great podcasts right here on the Alberta Podcast Network, but there are some podcasts that are independent and maybe perform a public service and don't get as much attention as they might deserve. And uh, our friends over at the Edmonton Community Foundation have given over some of their own ad space to help promote a few of these podcasts. And here is one of them. Is This For Real? is a podcast about various facets of black life in Edmonton. In the first season of the show, Breaking the Blue Wall, host Omar Salafu explores anti-black racism and policing and tells stories about policing in schools, accountability in Alberta's policing system, and the impacts of police violence on black Edmontonians. You can listen to the podcast and read more about each episode at isthisforreal.ca. You can also support the work of these podcasters and future seasons on Patreon. Perfect. Or Patreon, depending on how you like to say it. I've heard both. Pretty sure it's Patreon. I say Patreon, but I've heard other people say Patreon, and I, I have no confirmation on who's right. Fair enough. 
Uh, either way, definitely check them out. You can also check out uh, all of the other Alberta Podcast Network podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. If you find one you like, and you probably will, you can download it on your podcatcher of choice. Hey, that's probably where you're catching our pod. Hey, neat. You could give us a little rating and review. That helps us out. Oh, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, you can also get in touch with us via the social media. 100%. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We're at The Read Along on most of those. You can also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. It's going to be like Indiana Jones, except a lady and a soldier and a fantasy world. It's going to be nothing like Indiana Jones. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>